Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Everybody seems to be talking about boys today. Everywhere you look, there are conversations about boys' behavior, raising boys, what people are doing right, what they're doing wrong, and what messages we should be sending our boys regarding masculinity. There has been a trio of things just recently that have really stimulated conversation and controversy. I am referring to the recently released guidelines by the American Psychological Association. Earlier this month, they published their APA, American Psychological Association guidelines for the psychological practice with boys and men. That's number one. We'll come back around to that. The second thing that has inspired lots of conversation is the Gillette ad. Gillette, the shaving manufacturer, uh, released this ad called The Best Men Can Be. Lots of controversy. And then recently there was an encounter that took place in front of the Lincoln Memorial involving, as far as we know at this point, three groups that seemed to converge. There was a group of high school boys from Kentucky. There was a group of indigenous people. And there was a group of, I think they call themselves the Black Israelites. And this created a firestorm and more news articles than I've seen come out about anything in one weekend in a long time. Well, Jen, I guess we can say, yay, the conversation is happening, and it isn't an easy one to have. It's confusing. There are opinions on all sides, which leads to limited reporting and a lot of opinions. So I am so excited and heartened, really, to be having this conversation today, recognizing that there are no easy answers to any of this. I agree. On the whole, I consider these conversations very positive. People care passionately about boys, and people are beginning to see and acknowledge a direct link between how we raise our boys and what happens in our country in the future. It's a very positive step. And then things get messy from there. Oh, they do. When the APA released these guidelines for the psychological practice with boys and men, they're dense. I mean, I I, I printed off the whole report and it runs, you know, 31 pages with, with footnotes. Most people do not have the time or the interest to wade through the whole thing. Frankly, it's not intended for the general public to read. It was intended for psychologists and social workers to read, to offer guidelines to their practice. But you spend time online and in conversation too. Um, What are some of the news articles and storylines and narratives you've heard about these guidelines? Well, there's definitely pros and cons. As we said, there's no easy answer. As you said, they are guidelines. And I think that it is not a hard and fast rule, but reading through this very dense report, there are great statistics and things to pull out and recognize. And what really drew my interest, of course, as a teacher is 
guideline number six, which was about supporting educational efforts that are responsive to the needs of boys and men. And so what they're doing in the guideline is really highlighting statistics that have come out in many, many studies around what's happening in schools. And so that's important then for the practitioner to be able to understand where this client is coming from. And that's really how I took a lot of these guidelines of, hey, practitioner, be aware that boys of color in general have more severe discipline in schools, for instance. This might not be something that a practitioner sitting in their office would necessarily be aware of. So there is a lot of that aspect of just bringing in awareness for the practitioners. As somebody who's been involved in and uh, trying to raise awareness of issues affecting boys for a long time, on the whole, I consider this such a positive step because this is the one of the first things I've come out that is acknowledging and saying, let's address these problems that disproportionately affect males. And it calls out so many of things that you and I and others have been talking about for years. The academic disparity between boys and girls, harsh discipline, the mental health and um, physical health problems that are more prevalent in men and boys than in women. It straight up acknowledges that gender bias affects men and boys as well, and that it can even influence their access to and their comfort in finding and seeking help when they do acknowledge a problem. I'm a little frustrated that there's not more people standing up and cheering and saying, hey, somebody's finally bringing these things out to to light and saying, we need to pay attention. Yeah, me too. I think too that maybe what got this report so much attention was what they said about masculinity and talking about toxic masculinity. Let me ask you a question. I read through this report again this morning and I did not see the phrase toxic masculinity anywhere in the report. I have seen multiple news articles saying that this report links toxic masculinity and blames toxic masculinity for, but I did not see that phrase in the report. What they're saying in the report is traditional masculinity. So they've taken that and set a bunch of prescriptions that fit traditional masculinity. It calls it traditional masculine ideology. And it acknowledges there are differences in masculine ideologies depending on your culture, but there's a particular constellation of standards that have held sway over large segments of the population. And maybe it's because I'm a writer, but I think these words and the words we use are so important because it doesn't just say traditional masculinity ideology without providing any definition. They're talking very specifically about beliefs that this form of masculinity that relies on being anti-feminine, achievement-focused, eschews the appearance of weakness, and emphasizes adventure, risk, and violence. 
That matters. Nobody is saying in this report that being male is bad. And I fear that it's gotten spun that way. And there are people who are rejecting it out of hand. And again, I think just to bring it around to what the purpose of these guidelines are for, and I kind of look at it as a little bit of like the state of the state of men report. Yes. And raising awareness. And truthfully, the general public is never going to lay eyes on this report. So it's kind of bringing to light this conversation, which is awesome, but even more important and even more, I think, in the mainstream is the Gillette ad and we'll call it the DC incident. So um, do you want to skip over to that and talk about traditional masculinity and toxic masculinity and men and boys as portrayed by this Gillette ad. And of course, we'll put a link to the ad in the show notes. The first actual conversation I had with a male about the Gillette ad was with one of my brothers. I have four brothers and he sent me the link. Hey, have you watched this yet? So I watched it. And then I asked him what his take was. This ad is basically saying, in my brother Tom's words, guys, don't be a jerk. My brother Tom is saying, you know, maybe it's just me and the people I choose to surround myself with, but I don't see a lot of this so-called toxic masculinity that in the ad is kind of portrayed as the norm for a lot of guys. And I think this is where the ad has gotten blowback. And some of it I think is is well-deserved because on the whole, Most men are decent people. Most men are not raping people, sexually assaulting people. And yet this ad is emphasizing the incidences where a bunch of guys is maybe behaving inappropriately with a woman and somebody doesn't respond or where boys are fighting and somebody doesn't respond. And it's saying, take responsibility, step up. And that message right there is really important because it's what happens for men and boys in a group and calling out behavior, which is, I think for all of us, boys and girls and men and women is really difficult to do, especially in this time of fear. We're afraid to step up and say, no, that's wrong. And I will tell you in Portland, a year and a half ago on our MAX train, our public transportation, a a man was belittling some young Muslim girls. You may remember this in the news, giving me chills even now talking about it. Good men stepped in to say, knock it off, stop it. And two men died and one young man was wounded. People are afraid to step in because of things like this, that you don't know if that person has a knife or a gun. And I will say also, it starts with such little things that, you know, I'm in elementary schools and I see things happening that you could say, this is the beginning. And how do we help our young boys and girls be in community with each other and be able to communicate and say the hard things. I agree that these are such important conversations to have. At the same time, I really wish Gillette had couched their message a little bit differently because a lot of people were turned off immediately by what they saw as a very negative portrayal of men in general. That's the first part of the ad. 
it switches, but you have to keep watching past that. And I'm thinking about this in relationship to what we so often talk about with boys, with raising children in general, with a a recent episode that we did about um, building and supporting kids' confidence and joy. If you come at somebody and are hammering them about their weaknesses and what they are not doing good enough, they shut you out, they put up a wall, and they say, I'm not listening to you. And I think that's happened to a segment of the population with this commercial. Instead, if you start with some of the strengths and you start with some of these examples of men who are doing good, and there are so many of them, you just shared examples of men who literally laid down their life to protect other people. And there are all kinds of examples that dramatic and far less dramatic that happen on a daily basis and maybe encourage more of that without constantly fanning the flames that suggest that guys are potential predators. And as you're saying that, we have to remind ourselves about advertisement and what it's for. Absolutely. This ad is extremely successful as an ad because you and I are talking about it. Exactly. We both know it was Gillette. So the ad is doing its job. Absolutely. Talk about brand awareness, right? Yes. And I do give the company some credit for in in their mind attempting to, you know, be part of the conversation and use their influence for good. The good to come of this in my mind is that we are talking about it. And it's my hope, and here's where I am the most concerned. It is my hope that we as friends, as Americans, as parents can have these conversations with one another and listen. So if somebody tells you that they found that commercial offensive, listen to them and find out why instead of assuming that they are a misogynistic pig, which is a lot of the assumptions that I have seen flying around. And that leads us into the incident that happened this weekend in Washington, D.C. It was the Women's March, and there were a lot of other groups marching that day as well. And it seems that they converged in front of the Lincoln Memorial. And again, it is many different perspectives, many opinions being held forth in the media. And we weren't there. We can watch video. I always think about, okay, where were those people on that day before this moment? What had they been chanting? What had been jeered back at them? And what was the mood of the whole entire day that came down to this very photographic moment? So if you haven't heard too much about this incident yet. It went viral in an instant and then was like a California wildfire. There was this photograph of a white male teenager from Kentucky standing face to face with a man that we learned was a tribal elder. The boy had on a Make America Great Again hat. It was this perfect storm that was just bound to ignite controversy. It was the kind of image that was just begging for everybody on the internet to weigh in. And that's exactly what happened. And the first reports that came out said that the boys were taunting 
the, the native elder, which is a terrible thing. When you hear there's a bunch of teenage boys harassing an old man who it turns out served our country as a Marine. By the first reports, it said that they were you know, chanting build a wall at a Native American. That doesn't even make sense. Well, later reporting came out and said, wait, wait, there's actually more to this. As you said, there was another group in the area. And there's a much longer, nearly two hour video online. If you want to watch this whole thing escalate, you can. But what we learned, what I hope we learned, is that things aren't always as clear cut as they first appear. And we all need to pause and breathe before we react. Good rule of thumb for parenting, good rule of thumb for teaching, good rule of thumb for relationships. And more importantly, this is what we need to role model to our kids. So on the one hand, we want our kids to be thoughtful and to handle confrontation intelligently. And the adults in this country were running and jumping off cliffs this weekend without even thinking. Yes, they were. So you watched the longer video. Mm-hmm. What's your take? Okay, so I think there was a tremendous rush to judgment. Did these boys behave completely maturely? No, they did not. Important to note, they're not completely mature. We are talking about a group of teenage boys. What I saw in the video was these boys were being harassed first by this other group, the Black Israelites, who were shouting tremendously, unequivocally hateful things, both at the boys and at the group of Native Americans that were there. They were telling the Native Americans, Indian means savage, go look it up. I mean, just hateful, hurtful things. As this went on over a period of time, the boys, uh, more of them gathered in number. They started chanting, like doing some chants and cheers. And it wasn't clear to me on the video what exactly they were saying. Like you couldn't make out the words, but there was nothing that sounded like build the wall to me. In reports that came out later, the boys said they were chanting school cheers, which I I do find believable. Uh, At one point, one of the boys, uh, you know, while leading the chant, tore off his shirt and everybody goes crazy, which Janet, I can totally see. I have spent so much time around teenage boys. I get this. And when I watch this happening, perhaps not the smartest way to respond when you feel like you're being attacked. But from a teenage boy thing, they gathered together, they found strength in number, they found comfort in each other. They weren't seeking to directly engage or fight with this other group. One of the Native American elder heard this whole thing escalating and approached banging on his drum, which is prayer for him. And he is trying to diffuse this tension. And he gets very close to the one boy that's immortalized in this photograph that will haunt him until his death. And many people read the look on this boy's face as a smirk. It could be a smirk. It could be discomfort. It could be, I don't know what look I'm supposed to have on my face right now. There's what the the native elder intended. And there's, would a bunch of teenage boys get that? People said that the boys were chanting and, and mocking along Based on my viewing of it and what I know about teenage boys, I think it's highly possible that at least some of them thought, hey, he's on our side. And so they were trying to chant along with him. 
bottom line is, I do not think it was this overtly racist experience that many people thought it was. And I think a lot of people jumped to judgment because these boys were white and wearing Make America Great Again hats. And I have been thinking so much about this, even more than I should. And I wrote and submitted an article that will likely be up on U.S. News soon. Let's stop assuming the worst about boys. Because people were primed to look at that picture and see a racist because they saw the hat. And then they learned, wait, they're from an all-boys school? Didn't Brett Kavanaugh go to an all-boys school? They're, they're sexual predators. They're, they don't have no respect for women. And then it just kept spiraling from there. And I'm frustrated as somebody who cares and loves teenage boys. We have to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. This is where I am sad and angry and frustrated today because there are still people that I, I know and respect in, in other parts of my life that are still convinced that these boys are terrible human beings, and maybe they are. But here's my, my bottom line. Even if they are, what are we going to do about it? Publicly shame them and then, what, lock them away? We can't do that. These are still 16, 17-year-old boys. It does none of us any good to just assume they are monsters and refuse to engage with them. You and I have talked about it and we've seen it happen. When you attack and you shame, people shut down. And that's when they become dangerous to the rest of us. So if we really, really, really care about our boys, and if we really want to create a safe space in our country, safe so that we can all live freely and we can all love and express ourselves, then we need to give grace and compassion to our boys also. They're going to screw up. Teenage boys are going to do some stupid things. And it is different from saying, let's give them some grace. That's not the same as saying, oh, boys will be boys. I'm not saying don't talk to them about this. I'm saying, let's not publicly crucify them. Yes, agreed. And I think for our listeners who think, oh, my son will never be out there. My son won't do that, is to bring this home to them. How are they standing up? And, you know, it circles back to the other conversation. How are they standing up to their, to their friends? And also recognizing that especially boys in groups Mm -hmm. just get the herd mentality going and they, it is really hard sometimes to access their morality that you have instilled in them. And I have no doubt that that boy is a good boy. I have no doubt. And he talk about wrong place, wrong time. And maybe his actions, who knows? Were they all perfect? Are any of us perfect? No, we all get caught up, swept up in, I mean, women's marches, whatever they might be. And so it is to, to then go back and recognize, number one, they are teens and they are still in formation. I'm reminded of the teen boy here in Oregon who on Labor Day weekend two years ago lit a firecracker in mm. a 
absolutely tinder dry forest and tossed it. He was with a group of kids his own age and burned our beautiful Columbia Gorge. And it will be decades and beyond until that land recovers from one stupid, unthinking act. And yet these are, this is what happens with our teen boys. And so it's so important to have the container around them of adults who are willing to listen to them. We hear it over and over and over with parents that we talk to, authors that we interview, boys want to be heard. And it starts when they're young. You can't just sit down with a teen and say, okay, now I'm going to listen to you. What have you got to say? That's the part where I think we all need to do more listening. There has been so much talking about boys and men and frankly, a lot of stifling their own voices and saying, well, you just don't get it. If, for instance, a a man or a boy expresses concern with the, the Gillette ad. So listen, there's a, there's a very high percentage chance that your teenage boys have thoughts that you don't agree with. Very high percentage. I, I had a conversation with my 15-year-old the other day, and I had to really make a conscious effort to listen to what is his perspective, why does he believe what he believes, rather than just try and shut him down and try and get him to see that my way is the right way. It might not be the right way. He's got reasons for thinking what he's thinking. And if I can't acknowledge that, what's he going to do with all of that? Right. You know, it just builds up inside and that's not healthy for him or for us collectively either. And then it's really easy to express it as anger and Mm -hmm. off we go. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest takeaway from all three of these things is to please let's extend each other grace. We are all trying, boys, parents, teachers, friends. On any given day, we are trying. We're trying to get through the day with whatever's going on. Let's give each other some grace, acknowledge each other's strengths, and build on and support that. And if we, if we just, just focused our energy on those things, we would get so much farther and be so much more productive in a positive way than if we spend our time nitpicking and arguing. Boys and anger is a topic we are hearing lots about. We want you to know you are not alone. You can go to boysalive.com backslash anger and receive a free audio download to help you understand the complexities of your son's anger. Also includes tips and strategies for how you can help him cope with this big emotion. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men.